Welcome to Taking Back Birth, a podcast for women who know the truth about birth and those who want to explore the path of radical birth love. I'm your host, Marin Green. Taking Back Birth celebrates the power you have to make decisions in alignment with your own truth. Decisions not subject to anyone else's authority. Decisions that create experiences that will change your life. Taking Back Birth is a production of the Indie Birth Private Contract Association and IndieBirth.org. No material on this podcast should be considered medical advice. Birth is not a medical event. Welcome to Podcast Monday. I'm excited to be here. I inadvertently ended up taking another week or two, I can't even remember, off of podcasting. But I feel like this one, as many of them do, is coming at the perfect time to relay some experiences to you, as well as kind of providing some processing for me over a recent birth experience. Before I get started today, talking about the weird stuff midwives are taught, I would love to give a personal update that I'll keep pretty brief. Many of you heard my mothering podcast, which was the last one I released, and that one was all about kids and money. Thanks so much for the positive feedback. I know people really do love the mothering series, so I promise to get more episodes in in the future. And I shared all about our desire for a Hawaii adventure, and that is taking shape for everybody that was wondering. Lots of really nice contacts, different people connecting me with this person or that person has come through. And I know that it's not always a linear adventure, these kinds of things. So I trust that the communications I've had and the connections I've made already are doing something magical up in the ethers, even though we're still looking for a place to be. And that doesn't feel terribly surprising, I don't think, because we're a lot of people that are looking for a house and we really don't want to compromise. We have had the opportunity to rent a couple of different things at this point, but they just weren't the right match exactly. So we're holding out, so to speak, since we're really not in a rush. I don't think I shared that come May, I will very gratefully and excitedly be off call no matter where I'm living. (laughs) This was a necessary choice and it is a part of the Hawaii scheme But I don't know if we'll be there yet. So even if I'm not, uh, I will remain in Kentucky until we are officially called there. But I will be off call. My last births here are in April. And I know I shared with my students that it's not something to emulate. It's not something I'm necessarily proud of. That in 15 years of attending births, I've never taken a break. That doesn't mean breaks haven't happened. (laughs) The universe has gifted me some for sure, Uh, whether it was moving or, you know, just other circumstances were sure. I've had a couple months here and there, but I've never said to the universe and to women directly, no, (laughs) I'm not doing it from X point to X point. And I haven't set an end point, actually. I know that I will be off call in May. And I don't know how long 
it'll be. It depends where I'm living. It depends on circumstance. At least six months is my thought of being off call, not attending births. And I really, really need this for my own health and my own nervous system. And really, I think my family will appreciate it. They kind of don't know any better. They've had me on call, uh, my kids, literally their whole lives. So I think we'll all be rejoicing in all of the little ways that midwifery affects your life. You don't have to be at a birth for it to affect your life. Uh, There's constant texting, right? Especially if someone is close to do or do. And just in general, there's a lot of behind the scenes time and effort that goes in. And I've decided as much as I love that, I need to point that back towards myself and my family. So going to Hawaii made it simple because I likely won't be here. But if by the grace of the universe, I am still, well, I guess I'll be enjoying summer in Kentucky. (laughs) Not quite sure. But setting that boundary, saying May 1st or whatever it is, uh, and saying at least six months, I think is good for me. And dare I say, I'm sure my students will find wonderful things to do with their own lives and their own time. Um, It's feeling in a way like maybe we need a collective break. So I am excited about that, but I'm also always excited about birth, which is why it's hard for me to make that boundary at times. Um, I really do love attending births, even if it is tiring and exhausting and often stressful. Uh, But today I do want to talk about the weird stuff that midwives are taught. Because during a recent birth experience, I reminded myself of these things and how it's not really about what we're taught, but how we use it. So this is the perfect time for me coming off this birth where we used all the skills. All the skills seem seem to be used And I don't know that I'll disclose too much about the individual story, but it reminded me just how unique birth is from woman to woman and just how whether we fall on a more medicalized side of the coin as midwives or not, we still sometimes have dogma in our heads, right? We either have, well, everybody needs this. Or we have the opposite, which is nobody ever needs this. And I'm here to say that neither extreme is true. And this is part of the reprogramming that we are going to assist midwives in during our upcoming new program called Elevate. I'm sure you've seen it. Maybe you have seen the link. Maybe you haven't. And so just a brief explanation Margo and I have been receiving requests from midwives and our former, you know, students in midwifery school, all kinds of midwives at different points in their practice, new midwives, midwives that have been at it for a long time. And the request has been, could you please host a community for those of us that want to work in the ways that you are teaching? This idea of new paradigm midwifery, the new earth, sometimes that just feels like silly labels. But when we really get down to it, to me, it feels like the absolute truth. 
that we're in a time and space where Practically speaking, lots of midwives are abandoning their medicalized careers, whether that be in the hospital or even at home for various reasons. And so many of these women, even if they've been practicing for a while, are looking for support and guidance and to be held in a container of safety and non-judgmental appreciation for the work they have done, but the work they're really called here to do. So Elevate is a program that will start mid-March for practicing midwives. And again, it will be a community, it will be teachings, it will be encouragement and inspiration, it will be direction. Any and all of these things, I think, will happen for the midwives that decide to enroll in this program with us. And we're going to be reprogramming. We're going to be tuning into our souls to realize why exactly down to a very specific way uh, we are here to practice in the role of midwife. And this will take soul searching and this will take maybe reliving past traumas and processing them. Uh, This will take questioning. And that's what I'm here to talk about today, kind of as a teaser for Elevate. But also, I think this will be fun to just get into in general, whether you're a midwife or not, and whether you plan to join us for the first round of Elevate or not. So I'm not going to give away everything here, obviously. Um, I think these will be some of the deep conversations we have within the Elevate program. But I did want to just briefly address some of the things that came to mind when I decided to talk about weird stuff midwives are taught. Okay, deep breath, deep breath. I'm still processing this very long birth, very long and hard birth we were at. I slept 14 hours the night before last and 12 last night. So I am slowly catching up. And my brain is slowly catching up. I think it's safe to say that after that long awake and sort of stressed, uh, your brain gets a little tired as well. So hopefully this comes out the way I would love it to today. I'm going to be talking about specific skills and things midwives are taught. And I want to say right off the bat, it's not really about the skill, but it's how and when it's used and whether or not we also involve the sacred aspect. Reminding all of us that much of midwifery and midwifery education is passed down from the medical paradigm. See, I know people don't always want to hear that, or maybe that is a light bulb going off for some, especially if you're not a midwife, but you're sort of questioning how we got where we are, why home birth midwives are so medical and interventive, How did this happen? Well, when midwifery became essentially a subset of uh, obstetrics, really, and that is what has happened specifically with licensing and regulation. In many states, the midwives are authorized, and that's in quote and kind of with a laugh, to practice licensed midwifery in many states, but the governing body of how they should practice, so the restrictions on them, um, the reasons for transport, all of that stuff comes from the medical model. And I've said this a hundred times or a thousand times, I feel kind of blue in the face with all of the ways that licensing can influence midwifery. 
and I dare say influences individual midwives as well, even though a common uh, mantra, so to speak, amongst licensed midwives, many of them is, oh, well, I don't need to do things that way. You know, I won't transfer you at 42 weeks. I won't, um, you know, put mandatory vaginal exams on my clients. And that's great. I'm sure that happens. But the governing body and the rules that exist over midwifery has made it so that we, and and I don't mean me personally because I don't work that way, but we as midwives have allowed ourselves to become many doctors. And again, these are many of the midwives that we are talking to with this Elevate program. We're not judging it. We're not calling you bad. We're not saying you did it wrong. Um, We're simply saying, hey, our arms are open and we'd love to teach you what we've learned. And we'd love to show you how we made our own journey from that kind of midwifery to this. And again, as always, it either resonates or it doesn't. There's many women, I'm sure, that are practicing medicalized midwifery that are completely happy with the way they're doing things. And those are not these people. (sighs) But again, it's a reminder that a lot of this is programming. It's not like midwives consciously thought about some of these things, even as groups. The group as a whole was maybe more interested in getting approval from the the medical world, hence licensing. And so they compromise, right? In all kinds of places, in all kinds of states, there's all kinds of compromises. You know, midwives would say, I know twins is a variation of normal, but my licensing doesn't allow it. Or I know that first time moms can take a really long time to have a baby, but my licensing doesn't allow it. So this is the weird stuff midwives are taught. This other way that is largely patriarchal and is the medicalized, non-spiritual, non-unique person version of birth. And there's just a list a mile long, honestly, of the weird stuff midwives are taught. I'm only going to hit on like the super obvious ones today. But everything from prenatal care in a clinic You know, that that is weird. And it is something a midwife can be taught to do if she's following the medical model. So I'm not going to maybe take it that into depth, but keep it somewhat general. So I think in asking ourselves where this came from, uh, we sometimes have that answer, right? The medical paradigm. This isn't something granny midwives used to do. Uh, For example, some of the examples I've already cited. Um, They didn't turn away women once they went past their due date. That wasn't something midwives did because that's not midwifery. That's not looking at the woman in front of you and assessing her health and well-being, etc. So it's just a really clear perspective of where did this come from? Did this come from midwifery, this thing, whatever it is? Or did it come from the medical model? And I think just saying it out loud sometimes can be really helpful. Cord around the neck, I'll get there. That's not a midwifery (laughs) technique um, routinely. You know, uh, I've attended hundreds and hundreds of births and never once have checked for cord around the neck because gratefully, I wasn't taught it. So had I been taught it, like I was taught some of these other things, then I'd have to unlearn it. Then I'd have to reprogram myself. And again, elevate. So we're asking ourselves, where does the weird thing come from? Why is it weird? And can we do without it? What would happen if 
we left it behind? What would we learn? How would we feel? And how would it affect what's happening in front of our eyes? Also, how can we just see it differently and approach the skill differently? I'll say a number of times and have already in the past that skills aren't good or bad. So we need to understand when something is necessary and have the guts to either do it if it is or not do it if it isn't. And also, if we do feel we need to use a skill, no matter how interventive it might seem, um, can we approach it differently? Can we say a sacred prayer before we use our hands? Can we make sure that the woman is in full and total agreement and consent? Can we talk her through, right? This isn't about doing anything to anyone, no matter how emergent it might seem. So again, these are some of the things we're going to be talking about in Elevate and coaching midwives to rethink and reprogram. I think it's just so exciting. Lastly, uh, before I get into some of the actual weird things, do we have the courage to question and do we want to do things differently? Do we have that desire to affect positive change? And this isn't just to be different. This isn't just to say you're the cool hands-off midwife. I actually hate that term because birth is hands-off. We only use our hands when necessary. So we're not looking just to be on the fringe or more radical or more hands-off. We're intentionally questioning things because our soul is calling us to a different kind of midwifery. And that's a huge question. And of course, these questions are not for me to answer for anyone else. I know for me, in my own apprenticeships, in my own early days as a midwife, I did over time have the courage to question, obviously, or I wouldn't be here doing it this way. But it was hard initially because I was taught a certain way and there was judgment. There was judgment around doing it differently. Midwives can be horrible to each other especially in an apprenticeship. So it was about going outside of what was accepted in a lot of cases. It was enduring the judgment or wrath, perhaps, of an elder midwife telling you you're dumb or stupid or reckless. But again, for me, over time, especially as a mother, my soul was calling me to a different kind of midwifery where I just started questioning everything. And I still do. I don't think I'll ever be done. I question every single thing. I question everything we say, every look we give, every everything. And that's not in a quest for perfection necessarily. It's in a quest for really, really honoring the mother and really being clear about what my role is as a midwife. So I'll repeat it. Do we have the courage to question and do we want to do things differently? Not just to be different, but because our soul is calling us to a different kind of midwifery. That is the question. I have a couple of quotes here, thoughts, programs, that are very common in midwifery. And if you're a student, you might really identify with this because you're kind of in it. And I bet so many midwives, if they're listening, also identify with some of these 
catchphrases that keep us bound, that keep us bound to a kind of midwifery that really isn't working for many women and the kind of midwifery that keeps us too safe and not really living our soul's path. So bear with me here. I'm just going to read them. And and I kind of made these up, but they're definitely things that I have heard in my own mind and in my own experience. That's just the way things are. This is good care. Midwives must use their skills. Got to keep it safe. This is how I was taught. This is how we do things. I don't have support for practicing another way. The other midwives will judge me. A good midwife always does X. Those are some thoughts that came in for me when I was attempting to channel the way I used to feel and the way I know many midwives feel kind of on the brink of change. They're wanting to do this differently. But these thoughts, these like intrusive negative thoughts, uh, kind of keep them playing it too safe, uh, which usually results in burnout and or just not being super excited to do this work and possibly scared to do this work. So uh, just kind of pulling from what I read already, you know, a good midwife always does X. There's a lot of midwives out there that feel that way. And for better or for worse, uh, many of them have been practicing 30 or 40 years and they haven't rethought anything. They have not reprogrammed. They've been doing the same thing for 35 years And right, if it's not broke, don't fix it. But for younger midwives looking in, we can see, and I consider myself part of that group because I haven't been practicing 35 years. Um, I'm still in the younger set. And I look in and I say, but is that really serving the client? And does that feel good? Like, does it feel good to break everyone's water, right? Like, did you ever think about that? Like, or do you need to be in control? So this is also an ego check. And again, why not every midwife will be into it. But the ones that are, are very keen on realizing where their ego is directing them. And we're all in this. I am no different. There are so many times that you have to check yourself and wonder why you're doing this or why you're not, right? Is it about you? Is it how you would look if you did it? Um, There certainly is ego to deal with for as long as we are here (laughs) on this human plane. So it's just being honest about it. Um, Another one of these, let's see. Well, this is how I was taught, uh, explains itself, that often midwives just aren't willing to go outside and they have false beliefs. So here's a great example false belief. Um, every, every midwife or no, excuse me, every client I have, and this is, this is like a mythical person talking, not me, a mythical midwife. Every client I have gets herbs after birth. And so no one bleeds. And that's really fascinating. Like, have you ever tried to not give someone herbs routinely? Just because they're herbs doesn't mean it's okay, you're still doing something routinely. Have you ever thought, what if I don't do that? What will happen? And often this mythical midwife may say, well, I'm not willing to do that because I haven't had any hemorrhages and I don't want one. And it's like, well, of course, but 
you don't really know that giving those herbs prevents hemorrhage, right? I mean, my clients are really healthy. I don't expect them to bleed. So that's an ego move. And that's will it's an unwillingness to unravel some weird thing you're holding on to as proof of safety rather than really understanding and inviting in the physiological process plus the trust of the women in the process plus again this sacred aspect of what will be will be uh, we don't control everything so i like that example and there's many examples like that well I always do this thing and it, you know, it seems like it works. But until you don't do it, you really don't know. So you have to be willing. You have to be willing to release control and to try something new, even if you were taught this way. And no matter how fantastic of a midwife we think we are and we're teaching students, we are teaching them. And it doesn't mean we're teaching them everything right. We're just teaching them what we know or what was passed down to us. So at some point, everything needs to be questioned. And and I am no exception. My students are welcome to question and ask questions and help me in that way because it is helpful to have that continuously going on. So leaving you with some of those phrases to rethink, especially if you're a midwife. Um, Got to keep it safe. You know, that kind of feeling like, oh, we do that because we're in charge. We're in charge of mom and baby and we don't let her. We don't let her do this or that because it would always be unsafe. And that's a huge thing to unravel. Our role, right, is our role as ultimate safety keepers or is our role more of an observer, witness, support space holder. And I won't lie, and I know midwives out there know this to be true, often those things overlap. We're not always just the space holder. Sometimes, and the birth I was just at was a great example, sometimes we need all the things. We need all the things to help and kind of make it happen. But we're not doing things from an ego place of my job is to make sure that everything is always fine. We can only do that to a certain extent. I hope that makes sense. But midwives making choices um, around what happens because they think they're ultimately managing the whole experience is not my kind of midwifery. So yes, do what needs to be done with full consent. But in a normal average situation, you don't need to keep it safe more than you would just normally being a caring intelligent midwife. You don't need to micromanage and make choices for people. That is not true midwifery. Uh, The not having support, I want to speak to for a moment because I have heard that feedback for many years and even more now with this Elevate program on the horizon. Midwives saying, I need to find the courage and the support for practicing another way. The midwives in my community will freak out. Uh, If I start whatever it is, um, attending breech births or whatever, uh, they'll freak out. You know, this isn't what we call safe midwifery. This isn't standard of care. All this bullshit kind of evidence-based nonsense. Um, People that are so hung up on those things rather than looking at the person in front of them. But it takes courage to go outside of that box of medicalized CPM, MANA type midwifery 
it takes courage. And so I just want to speak to the fact that this Elevate program, I think, will be really supportive. It's not our goal to encourage or force you to do anything as a midwife that you don't resonate with. That is not the point. We're not making cookie cutter Marins and Margos with this program. We are simply opening up this expansive space of creation for you. And yes, finding your voice, finding your truth to say, I think there's a better way for me. And that's all it comes down to, right? This isn't about saying, I think all midwives should do things my way. It's about saying, I have the courage to work the way I need to in my life with the women I serve. And I don't give a shit what other midwives think. Because ultimately, sisterhood is great if we can find it. And that really only happens with resonant people. So, To me, it's not sad to have midwives in the community that don't get it, that don't get me, that I don't get them, uh, that they're judgmental, that I'm judgmental. Just not worth it. Find the ones that can support you. This isn't about pleasing anyone else. This is about finding support where it makes sense to look for it. There is a saying I've liked for years that with this last birth really I got to prove my point. Isn't that the best, right? Um, Never say never. And you know, that's not my saying. Never say never about a lot of things like in life, right? Are we so sure? Are we so sure in life that we would say never? I don't think so. I feel like I've learned that. Just don't say never because the minute you say never, you're inviting in an opportunity for the universe to be like, are you sure? Because you said never. Never is a very strong word. Remember back in school, all the multiple choices and anytime there was a never, it had to be false. Remember that? Because we don't say that if we have any kind of wisdom or experience. So if you come across midwives that do say that, maybe you're the mom in this case, and you have a midwife say, well, I never do that. And I've heard it and I've heard it from the hands off variety, right? It's that other side. Oh, I never do vaginal exams. You should run the other way because if you needed one, what would this midwife do? She never does them. And that must mean she really doesn't have a lot of experience because uh, that's one of my examples that I'll get to that you never say never about. So there isn't anything that is bad or good. We have to leave ourselves open in this deprogramming to also considering that we might need these things. And again, Margot and I walk the middle path. We don't fit in the medicalized midwifery of we always do this. And we don't fit in this wacky, whatever birth keeper camp of we never do that because it's too blank. It's too interventive. It's too interference, whatever. Um, There's always a time and place for virtually everything you have learned as a midwife if you attend birth long enough, even though, uh, yeah, some of it's weird, but sometimes birth is weird. Also, when we're thinking about a never say never, um, Are we connected to our clients well enough to know how to use whatever it is and when? So that's the beauty of creation. That's the beauty of art of any kind. We get an instinct, we use our intuition, and it becomes at those moments not about the skill 
and not about I'm doing this to someone, but a collaborative effort between you as the midwife and the woman saying, yes, please, this will help. And many of you have heard this, and this kind of leads really nicely into my first example of vaginal exams. But when Margot had her babies, uh, she has openly said, and I think in her birth stories communicated as well, that vaginal exams were really important to her birth process. She needed that. She wanted that. And there was nothing interventive about it because it was a part of her desire and her story. So that is one of the weird things that midwives are taught in a way, um, routine vaginal exams, always sticking our hands up there without learning how to assess progress in any other way. And I'm not going to go on and on about that or about any of these things because they're huge topics. But there is a time and a place for vaginal exams. And if I hadn't done a bunch this past weekend um, and found some very surprising things that I would very much love to share at some point, uh, you know, maybe I would today not even have this on my list, but it is so present for me right now that if I hadn't been able to do vaginal exam, um, disaster potentially could have struck. And, you know, I'm not saying that from an ego perspective. That is very rare. It is very rare that something like this is going to make or break a situation. But again, we never say never. And we're also not doing this so routinely that we forget the other ways that a mom and baby can communicate. It's equally as important to have both. Checking for cord, I mentioned this, but this is one of the most annoying things that I see in here. I see it on birth videos all the time, and I want to scream through the video. Again, normal birth, nothing happening, just a head is out. Why are you touching the cord? Why? Because you were taught that? Like, really, tell me why. And I don't know. I have never asked anyone directly, but I feel like some midwives would say, well, A, that's what I was taught, or B, we have to make sure that the cord isn't tight. And to that I say, in hundreds of births, I have never checked for cord and it has never been too tight. And the cord stretches and the baby can somersault. So again, it's like a medical model hand down with no respect for physiology and just the normal process of a normal birth. I mean, babies have been coming out forever. Do you think it's because we check for cord that it's all mostly fine? It's so silly. So that is one of my pet peeves, actually. I don't know um, in what circumstance I would do that, but I'm going to say never say never. But I've never heard or seen of an instance where that was helpful. And it interrupts. It interrupts the hormones. It interrupts the mom. How would you like a hand down there, right on your vagina, uh, right on your vulva, rather, kind of like getting in there between you and your baby's neck? And if you're the baby, why would you like that? The cord probably spasms. It doesn't need to be touched like that. Um, again, just weird things midwives are taught. And I've seen it with my own eyes on, like I said, countless videos where it's just pointless. It's just a bad habit. So are you willing to look at your bad habits and question them? Breaking waters routinely. I know many midwives, especially of the older set, that routinely do that. You know, you get to a certain point and it's like, oh God, all all patience is off. Uh, it's not going to hurt anything. Let's just do this. So 
What do I think? Well, this past weekend was the first time in 15 years that I intentionally helped someone with their consent and approval in breaking the bag of waters. So I can't ever say never. There was a time this was totally um, appropriate and probably very much needed. Uh, Of course, it wasn't physiological, right? We allow the baby to do that work, but extenuating circumstances and a mom that was asking me to do this. So I won't lie. I was super nervous, even though, you know, for a lot of people, it's not a big deal. It's pretty simple. I was nervous and I really did say a good prayer up to all that is above that this was the right thing, that my hands could be used wisely and it was for the highest good. So um, there is a time, there is a time and place and how do we conduct ourselves? How do we move through something that might really feel difficult for us? And do we put a philosophy ahead of the woman? And that was the question I openly asked myself at this birth. I said, you know, my client said, well, I know that's like not something you believe in. And it was like, well, how silly is that at this moment? My beliefs are not going to supersede what you need. So let's not be dogmatic about any of this. Uh, We react and respond to what's in front of us. Okay, next, checking baby with stethoscope. So the baby's born. Uh, My favorite, and I'm being sarcastic, is when the baby's pink and screaming and somebody gets in there with a stethoscope. Are you fucking kidding? Why? Why would you do that? Because you were taught that? Because you got to get a heart rate? Look at the baby. And I remember saying this years ago. I took an NRP class back when I was a really new midwife at another midwife's house in Phoenix, Arizona. And this is what she was teaching. And this is what what people were doing in their role play. Um, So she would say in the role play, you know, the baby came out and is pink and screaming and has great tone. And still the expectation in the simulation was that someone stick a stethoscope in there. And I couldn't help myself. At some point, I couldn't help it. I said, if the baby is pink and screaming, wouldn't we assume the baby has a good heart rate? And I remember her just kind of looking at me and she was like, yeah. So what are we doing? Why do we need to know what it is? Man, I get fired up about some of these things. Again, you got a baby that isn't looking well, sure. And I know many of you have seen Kendra's birth video. It went totally viral. It's on our YouTube. There's a commentary. Um, I palpated the cord, right? That's how I checked the baby's heart rate. So even within some of these weird things we're taught, there are variations. We don't always have to do it the way we're taught. We use our intuition. We use our experience to come up with alternatives. And again, this will be a huge part of Elevate. Another topic Uh, is the midwife resuscitating a baby. Again, go watch Kendra's video. And we have many like this in our library, so to speak, of Indie Birth Midwifery School videos, um, where a mom gives breaths or a mom suctions her baby. And where did we get it that it always had to be the midwife? That's how we're trained. That's how we're taught in neonatal, excuse me, resuscitation. But what about an alternative? And I'm not tooting my own horn here, but that's something my clients taught me and I taught them and we came up with together. Uh, I never took a class on how to help your client resuscitate her baby. And as much as I love Karen Strange and her work, um, I feel like she might even say like, hey, that's not a great idea. You know, better for you to do it. You're trained. But 
I don't totally agree. I think there's a time for that. And I think there's mostly time for educating women and standing by them while they do some of these things. Uh, It doesn't have to always be the weird things midwives are taught. It can be really creative ways of having your clients participate in their own care. Fundal massage, another favorite, and I'm being cynical again. Why? Why? I was taught it too, but you know what? I dropped that habit almost as soon as possible because I know what that feels like. It's terrible to have your belly pressed on as soon as a baby is out. Uh, The only time I have done it more aggressively is if someone is bleeding. But as a routine, as a like, I must massage your uterus for it to contract, That's ridiculous. And that comes from the medical model who don't understand how the body works and how hormones work and how women work. So again, that is a really weird thing midwives are taught. And I think more midwives than normal are probably not doing that nowadays. But there definitely are people that are still doing that. And maybe they're more hospital based. But our Elevate program is open to anyone, CNMs, midwives that work at a hospital, anybody that wants to deprogram and reprogram. Last but not least for now is the rush for the placenta. I was taught that many midwives are on pins and needles once the baby is out. They are nervous wrecks. They are anticipating bleeding. They are anticipating a problem. They are needing that placenta out for their own sanity. And I get it in a lot of ways. Hemorrhage sucks. It's scary. You can't always see that it's happening. And all it takes is having to handle an actual hemorrhage to make you feel kind of scared often and wanting to um, preemptively deal with that. So I understand the motivation. But again, where did we learn this? And is this really midwifery? And most importantly, is this in calling with your own highest good, your own soul. And gosh, sometimes it's an experiment. Sometimes it's just not doing it. I'm not going to rush for this placenta. I'm going to be calm. I'm going to ground myself. I'll leave the room if I have to. That's one of my favorite techniques, actually. Just mom and baby are fine and stable and bonding right after birth. Um, I'll just slip out for a few minutes. She doesn't need me watching over her when everything is fine. And that gives her body the opportunity to release the placenta and maybe even birth it while I'm outside of the room. I don't need to add to any kind of adrenaline. And there isn't a rush. There is not a rush for a placenta unless someone is bleeding. So rethink these things, everybody. Tying it up here, if we feel we must do any of these things or other weird things we've been taught, then we trust ourselves. We're in good communication with this woman and we have full consent and approval and sometimes a desire on the woman's part to please do this thing. So it is not a doing something to someone. It is done with intention. And as I mentioned, prayer and blessing and gratitude that you have the skills that are needed and that in this case, this unique mama baby unit, you may really be of service by using what you know. Always taking a breath or two, and I remind myself of that on the regular. Whether I'm at births or just sitting with women prenatally, that our own breath, our own grounding, 
our own ways to calm our nervous systems is really important because we never say never. We never know in a way what each birth will require of us as the midwife. And it would be totally arrogant, again, to box ourselves in and say, I never do this thing, or I'm a hands-off midwife. Um, You'll get what you say. (laughs) So say that too often and you'll be using your hands all the time. It's pretty funny, actually. And lastly, if any of these things surface, and even though they're weird, they're needed, we pray for the highest good of all, that this is the thing that is needed for whatever reason, and that it is in total alignment with the mom and baby and ourselves. On that note, check out our Elevate program. I'll include the link here in the podcast notes, but you can easily find the link on our Instagram profile. And add your name to the email list if you'd like to learn more. We will be opening up registration on March 1st, 2023. So in about two weeks, it is a first come first serve program. And we will begin together for a six week adventure starting around March 21st or so, which is the spring equinox, a great time to start a new project. Have a beautiful week, everybody. And I'd love to see you in Elevate.